Well, good morning, Adventure Church. How are you? How are you really? <laughs> Tell me the truth. How, how many had an amazing week? Best week of your life. Wow, congratulations. How many of you had a week that you would like to wipe from the memory books? <laughs> how many of you just had like a normal, boring week? Okay, well, today, 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 we are going to delve into God's word and we're going to talk about being children and we're going to talk about being adopted and known and committed and chosen. And we sang about that. But um, I want to ask you a question. So, do you remember? When you were a little kid, anybody remember back that far? Besides the ones that actually are little kids. You guys remember when you were a little kid, what was the one thing you wanted more than anything else when you were a kid? I'm not talking about whatever toy it was that you wanted. What, what, did, what, did, what do all little kids want? They want to grow up. They want to be grown-ups, don't they? What do kids do when they pretend? What do they pretend? Do they ever pretend that they're kids? No, they always pretend that they're grown-ups. Like, I remember 22 was the magical age. That was just like, when I was a little kid, I just always wanted to be 22. I still want to be 22, but I always wanted to be 22. That was like, and then it's like, and then you, then you grow up and you become an adult and you're like, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for this whole responsibility and work thing and paying bills and all that. Anybody sign up for that? No. So today we are going to talk about being children of God. We're going to talk about being sons and daughters of God. And we're going to talk about how he actually chose us. Jesus said that. He goes, you didn't choose me but I chose you. And so we're going to talk about the adoption. If you could sum up the Bible in one word, what do you think it would be? Relationship. Think about it. It's all about relationship. Relationship with God between us and our, and our creator and relationships between each other. And this passage that we're going to dive into in Galatians chapter 4, we're going to really cover a lot of these different things. So we're going to start, oh, I wanted to start out by praying for the men that are at man camp. Man camp is always a really profound weekend for the men of the adventure. So would you guys join me as we pray for the men who are up there? Father, we thank you that, um, Lord, you provided this opportunity for the men to go up go down there, I guess, and to be together. Father, we ask for transformation. We ask for life change. We ask that you would um, allow them to just grow in their relationship with you and their relationships with one another. Um, Lord, we do ask, I, I ask again, Lord, that you would give them profound conversations, life-changing, transformational conversations. I pray you would speak to them by your spirit. Lord, keep them safe as they travel, and I ask, God, that the effects of this weekend, the things that you speak, would be life, lifetime, and I just pray for the, the blessing and the peace for each one of them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you could open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. I'm going to be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, but if you could open to Galatians chapter 4, we're going to talk about what it means to be adopted. Anybody in here adopted? Anybody? Awesome. 
Awesome. You know, I remember um, my cousin was adopted, and I remember it was really cool because my um, my aunt and uncle would always say, "Well, we we specifically chose you." You know, because there was always kind of, you know, that feeling of, oh, you know, I don't know. I, I've never been adopted, like, personally, except spiritually I've been adopted. But so I don't know what that's like, but I do know that uh, oftentimes people kind of go through this feeling of, you know, that they they were somehow rejected or abandoned or give, given up by their biological parents. But but my aunt and uncle would always make sure to to tell my cousin that she was chosen, that they chose her specifically. So Galatians chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Paul the Apostle is talking to these churches that um, they're, they're starting to fall into legalism, and he's really annoyed, actually. I mean, truth be told, he's a little bit harsh with this because he's just like, I don't understand you guys. You were saved by the grace of God. You didn't have to do anything to earn your salvation, but now you feel like you have to grovel, like you feel like you have to come back to God. And he's saying, Galatians 4, 1. Now I say, as long as the heir, we're called heirs of Christ, it says, as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, even though he's the owner of everything. Instead, he's under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. Okay, so this is saying at, when the child is, is under age, they are not considered any different than, than one of their household servants. They're, they're just like the slaves. Anybody hear the stories about the, the trust fund babies? You know, the ones who... Anybody? You know the trust fund baby is? It's like they're their parents are so very wealthy that they just put all this money aside, but they can't get to it until a certain time. Well, in the Jewish culture, a a boy was considered a man after the age of 12. And in the Greek culture, he, how many know that 12 year old, 13 year old boys are not men? Are there any 13 year old boys in here? I apologize. But I mean, the Greeks said that a boy became a man when he was 18 years old. Well, I have always questioned the whole idea of there's just like this, this magic number, like one day you're immature, the next day you're a man. I don't think it works that way. And the Romans agreed with that because for them, a boy would not become a man until his father said he was a man. So some of you still would not be concerned. <laughs> But isn't that such a good way to think about it? That, that the father would know his own son so well that he'd know, yeah, he's not quite responsible enough yet. He's not quite a man. It didn't matter when his birthday was. It didn't matter how old he was. Um, you guys all know who Bill Gates is. Did you hear that Bill Gates, um, he had written in his will that he didn't want to give his children, he didn't want to spoil his children? So he really restricted the amount of money that he was going to give them, and he decided to only give them $10 million each. How are they going to make it? How are they going to survive? $10 million. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so it's saying here, it's saying he's, a, he's under guardians and trustees. The, the child, even though they, they have the right to everything eventually, they will not be given everything as I said, in the Roman culture, they had what's called liberalia, liberalia, and they would have this big, big party, and it would be like kind of the, the boy, now he's finally a man. You know, the Jews did the bar mitzvah. I don't know what the Greeks did, but it was probably 
probably had great food. Um, But it says in verse 3, it says, In the same way, we also, when we were children, we were under the slavery, or we were in slavery under the elements of this world. This is basically talking about rules of right and wrong. It's talking about the law, that we were under the slavery. And it says, but when the time came to completion, this is talking, the the original word, it's talking about like the due date. Like, you know, when, when you see a woman and you're like, wow, she is really due. Like she needs to have that baby really soon. Time just, it was like, it was exploding to birth the Messiah. And it says, and when, when it came time to completion, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was born of a woman, and he was born under the law. So Jesus was born, he was Jewish. So he was born under the law. Remember the Jewish tradition was they had 613 laws. Jesus was born under the law, and it says he was born to redeem those under the law, to to reclaim them so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, now, Paul is talking to believers here. He's not talking to non-believers. He's talking to people who have already received Christ. They've already accepted the grace of God. They've accepted the forgiveness that Jesus offered on the cross. So he's talking to them and he's calling them sons. And he says, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. That's where he sent his spirit, into our hearts, crying, Abba. Father. Now the word Abba, Father, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that this word is is the most intimate and beautiful expression of daddy, papa. Little kids would call their daddy Abba, Abba. And, and it says here that they're crying. It's, it's like when a child is hurt or they're in trouble and they trust so much in their daddy that they cry out, daddy, daddy. You know, kids, I mean, like if you have a nightmare when you're a little kid and, you, and your dad is in the house or whatever, you cry out. A lot of kids cry out for mommy, but it's basically the same. It's like crying out, crying out to this one that you trust and has provided for you and covers you and and blesses you and knows you. And this is saying, he has given you this same spirit. It says here, so you are no longer a slave. So you're coming out of that slavery mentality or having to serve, having, this is saying that once you were set free from the law where you had to try to earn and you had to try to do all the right things, you are now in relationship with your Abba, with your Papa, with your Daddy. And it's saying, then, if you are a son, then God has made you an heir. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son where the the one boy goes away, he squanders his inheritance, and then he comes to the end of himself, and then finally he, he goes, you know, I could go back home and I could be a slave. I mean, that's better than living out here with the pigs, you know? And so he ends up going back, and his dad's like, oh, no way, I will not let you be my servant. You are my son. And he just totally embraces him. Remember that story? But then there's another story about his brother, who never left, 
but he still had the servant mentality because when the dad comes to him, he's like, look at all these things I've done for you and you've never thrown me a party. What's up with that? He's really indignant and he's upset about that because he hasn't adopted the the idea that they are in relationship, that he is actually a son. He is an heir too. But so many of us still live this way. We still live under the attitude and under the mentality that, you know what, if I sin, I'm going to have to grovel and I'm going to have to do all these good works and there's going to have to be this time period before God really forgives me. And that is the opposite of faith. You know, it it says that we're, we're saved by grace through faith and not of our works. You know, we, we say that, that verse so just kind of flippantly, but it is by grace, meaning you don't deserve it, by grace you have been saved through just believing it, through faith, not of your own works. So no one can brag about it. No one can go, look how amazing I was. It's by grace. It's all glory to God. An heir is someone who receives all of the blessings. You know, that, is, that was what is in the inheritance of the riches of his kingdom, that God wants to pour out everything on us. He's not asking us to try to earn his love. You already have his love. He already loves you perfectly. Turn to the person next to you and say, he already loves you perfectly. And you are known by him. That's the thing that blows me away. That he knows everything about me. He knows every wicked thought. He knows every shortcoming, every failure. But he still accepts me. He still accepts you. And it says in verse 8, In the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to the things that by nature are not God's. Talking about idolatry. You were enslaved to all these things that weren't, weren't, they couldn't save you. It says, but now, since you know God, or rather, what this really means is more importantly, that you are known by God. You have become known by God. Think about this for a minute. The word known isn't just like a casual acquaintance. This is the deepest form of intimacy, that someone knows you. They absolutely know everything about you. They perceive you. They see you. They understand you. And it says, God knows you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And it says, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elements? The the King James here says beggarly. And when I was studying this, I realized, you know, it's, he's, he's saying basically, like I've prepared this amazing, this amazing inheritance for you, but you're just, you're just acting like you're just a servant. I have a friend and she has, she has the gift of hospitality, like no one you've ever met in your life. And, um, when you come to her house, she will have like, she'll have gifts for you sitting on the bed, she'll have a basket of all these goodies, you know, of just like lotions and candles and chocolate and little 
you know, slippers. And I mean, she, it's like you walk into that room and you know that you have been thought of and you just, you feel so special. And, and that reminds me of like how it's like God is saying, I want to bring you into this beautiful, comfortable place of rest. I've thought about this and I prepared this place for you. And instead you're just coming over here. We'll work for food. This is the mentality that so many of us have. The beggarly things. It's talking about like being a homeless person. But God's saying, I've prepared this amazing place for you, and you're settling, and you're just, you're just begging. Instead of receiving my love, you're, you feel like you have to earn it. You have to be my slave. And God's saying, I don't want you to be my slave. I want you to be my child. I want you to be my son or my daughter. He's saying, I don't, you don't need to try to earn my love. You don't need to beg for my love. You know, the verse in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, it's where, where um, Jesus is separating the sheep from the goats. And these people are like, wait a minute, what, what do you mean? Like, we did this for you. Like, I gave to the poor, and, and I went to church every Sunday, and I was really nice, and I didn't swear that much. And, and I was like, all these things. And, and yet, and Jesus says, I never knew you. I never knew you. And Jesus is saying, I want to bring you into this place of intimacy with me. I want to bring you into this place where you can survive the day. You know, it says in the Bible, in his presence is fullness of joy. Think about that. In his presence is fullness of joy. And yet... We, we rarely go into his presence. One of my biggest prayers for you and for this church is that you would begin to love the presence of the Lord. Not just this, not just this, well, I need to read 16 chapters and then, okay, and check that off and then I need to pray and, okay, Lord, I, I just pray for my kids and I pray for, it's not that, it's it's his manifest presence. And, and I said this to first service. I, you guys should all be jealous of my, my time with the Lord because it's amazing. My times with the Lord are so sweet. And do you know that that is the only way that I have been able to survive the last few years after my husband died was being in his presence. Sitting in his presence, that place that he prepares for me. Like, I feel like he's, he's up already before I get there and he's just waiting for me to show up. And then he just wants to blow me away with his presence. So please don't hear any shame. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to put any kind of religious activity on you. I am just saying there is such a thing as the presence of the Lord. And that is where you will find fullness of joy. That is where you will be strengthened to go on. And at the, no matter what faces you, 
because you know in this world you will have trouble. I would love to be able to say just the opposite. I'd love to be able to say, come to Jesus and live your best life now. You know, come to Jesus and everything will be perfect and you will never have any financial problems. You certainly won't have any relationship problems, right? Because all these people love God. So, and you will never have any health problems. I'd love to say that, but I would be a liar. Because in this world, you will have trouble. But if you spend your day, your time in the presence of God, it's like he puts a coating over you. It's like he puts this protective coating over you and you can face the day. I just, I I yearn for that. I do for you. I yearn for that for me. I could not have survived the last few years, the last five years without that intimate presence being known by him, knowing that he knows everything about me. He knows my heart. And you know, you don't, you, you don't have to have like the perfect scenario. You can, you can be in God's presence actually as you're maybe doing dishes or as you're driving or as you're walking along. You know, Paul the Apostle was such a great example of this. And he's saying, he's saying, do you want to be enslaved by these things all over again? It's like, you just came out of that, guys. You want to be back? You want to be, become a slave again? After God has prepared this amazing table for you, you want to go back and, and serve in the kitchen or take out the trash or whatever? He's like, it's, you're observing these special days and months and seasons and, and years. And here's where Paul is frustrated. And he goes, I am fearful for you. I'm fearful that perhaps my labor has been wasted on you. He's like, I tried to make the point that God already loves you with an everlasting love. And he has drawn you with his kindness. And now you're acting like you're this homeless beggar. Like you're, like you're not accepted, like you're rejected, like you're, like you're not significant to God. And he's saying, you are my child. And, and if, you have a, if you had a childhood that was hard, or you were violated by your parents, or you were abused, or you were abandoned or rejected, God wants to redeem you. There is hope. You can be redeemed and you can start to understand what this relationship means, what this relationship with your father is supposed to look like. And here we are committed. And here he says in verse 12, I beg you, I beg you, brothers and sisters, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Paul's not standing there going, look how amazing I am. Paul's saying, I want you to have this same thing. And I'm saying that. Have this sense of a renewed vision of what it means to have God as your father, as your protector, as your provider, as your defender, as your encourager. You understand? This is what he wants us to experience. And Paul is saying, I want this for you. He's saying, I've come to you. And he's saying, you haven't wronged me. And you know that I previously preached the gospel to you because of, my weak, because of a weakness of the flesh. You didn't despise me or reject me, though my physical condition was a trial for you. But on the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. 
a lot of scholars believe that Paul the Apostle had something wrong with his eyes. He talks about the thorn in the flesh, and he's talking about this physical malady that he had. And the only reason that he even stopped in Galatia was because of this. And he's saying, you know what, you guys, I know that probably was a hassle for you, but you guys were so great to me. You guys loved me, and you accepted me, and you took care of me, and I gave you the truth of the gospel. And we had this beautiful relationship. And he's saying, he's saying on the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. This is commitment. They were committed to each other. And he's being being honest with them. He's being like gut level honest. And you know the relationships where you feel the most secure? Those are the relationships where you can be the most vulnerable, right? You can be the most authentic. Those are the relationships where you can just completely be yourself. Don't you love relationships like that? Where you can just let down your guard. You don't have to put on any kind of a, you don't have to, you know, watch your words and make sure it's like just, you can just totally relax and just totally be yourself. And this is what Paul is saying. He goes, I feel like, like we're family. I feel like we're so committed to each other. And I appreciate that. And yet, he says, where's your blessing? For if I testify to you that if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. That is sacrifice. That is what relationships are supposed to be by. Jesus set the example for us of sacrifice. He gave up his own life. And he calls us in the same way to lose our life for others. He says to prefer others. And he's saying, you guys were so good to me. He goes, I know how committed you were to me in relationship. You were so committed to me that I know that if if it would have helped, you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me. I mean, this is a deep, deep loving relationship. This is is like goals, right? (laughs) Hashtag relationship goals. This This is an intense relationship And he says here, so then, now this is where it turns, plot twist. Have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? He's saying, we were so tight. We were so close. But now I've told you the truth. And now have I become your enemy? You know how relationships can switch like that? That will never happen with the Lord. Please understand that your relationship with the Lord is consistent. He is always consistent. He will never reject you. He will never despise you. He will never put his hand up like this and go, I can't stand being with you. He is always accepting. He's always yearning. It says that his kindness leads us to repentance. He doesn't shame you and make you feel terrible. He's like, his kindness come. Come to me. Come to me. I want to talk to you about um, a commitment to relationship. And I know some of you might have been confused this week. I sent out an email. Um, We're going to talk about Halloween. So what does the Bible say about Halloween? Anything? I know I'm taking a risk here talking about this. Um, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. I'm not going to go into all the, the history and everything behind Halloween. 
Halloween comes from a lot of different traditions and a lot of different sources. And so um, there's, there's something that says that if something has evil roots, you should never do it. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do agree that if it still has evil implications, you should be really thoughtful about it. So Halloween, as you know, is the most high and holy day for the satanic church. Um, you know, last week I had talked to you about uh, spiritual battle, and I talked to you about wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of the darkness and principalities, uh, you know, just evil in this world, right? We talked about that. I talked about a spirit of division that I believe is trying to tear apart families and marriages and churches and friendships and the churches in Utah and our country. I mean, there are definitely spiritual implications. And so when I got home from church, I got an email from someone, and um, this is a person who shall remain nameless, um, but they're not the only one, but they grew up um, being ritually abused in the satanic church. And the email basically said, you do realize that the satanic church laughs at us when we participate. And we are not a legalistic church at all. But Romans chapter 14 says, you know, one man eats only vegetables, another can eat meat. And it says, you know, who are you, O man, to judge another man's servant? You know, it says, it says to each man's own master, he must stand or fall, and God is able to make him stand. Um, and I just want to say this. So because, you know, Halloween has these evil roots and these evil implications, doesn't mean that I'm saying that if a little girl dresses up like Elsa and goes trick-or-treating that she's worshiping the enemy, worshiping the devil. Incidentally, did you know that the devil doesn't really have a name? He has more descriptors. He's called like Lucifer, which is and he's and he's called the liar, the father of all lies, and he's called the accuser, and like he doesn't have any like his name's not, you know, Bill. It's his names are all descriptors of who he is, and he is still working to destroy the body of Christ. He is working to destroy the church. That is the sole purpose of the satanic church. Did you know that? And I'm not going to give spend a lot of time, you know, talking about them, but I do want to just ask you, please thoughtfully consider what you're doing this next week. Um, if, you, if you're going to hand out candy or you're going to do any of those things, please use it as an opportunity to be a light to your neighbors. You know, there's so, there's so many implications that come um, with participating in these things. And the Bible says that, you know, don't have anything to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. It says, but expose them. And I'm not, I'm not if you have no um, conviction about this, I am not, trying to condemn you or anything, but I just want you to be thoughtful about what you're doing. You know, I, I think a lot of, and now I'm not trying to get into legalism at all, but just whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Let 
God be glorified. So if there's something that you're doing on Halloween, like if you're, you know, dressing up, you know, in something that's not glorifying to God, just consider that. Are you guys okay? Do you understand? If you if you're not if you're if you're not in agreement with me, that's fine. But I, I just knew I was compelled by the Holy Spirit that I needed to, to kind of clarify this a little bit and just say the reason that we we stopped doing the trunk or treat was because we love the people that we were hurting, and we were hurting people. It was hurting people. And you know, it's hard to it's hard to trust people that are hurting you. You understand? You guys okay? So very, very quiet. Okay. Verse 17 here says, They court you eagerly, but not for good. This is talking about false teachers. And I would say, I would dare say, this is also talking about demonic spirits. They want to separate you. It says they want to exclude you from me so that you would pursue them. But it is always good to be pursued in a good manner, not just when I'm with you. Paul is saying, you know, it's good to be pursued in a, in a healthy way. My children, so here Paul is kind of softening the blow a little bit, but he's saying, I'm suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. He's saying, I feel like I have to go through this birthing process with you again so that you understand that you are a child of God that you are a, a son and a daughter of the almighty God. He's saying, I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I, like, I literally don't know what to do with you guys right now. That's basically what he's saying. He's like, I don't know. I don't understand. I cannot understand why you would walk away from the grace of God and the love of God that he's poured out and start to become this homeless servant again. We'll work for food. We'll work for grace. You know, it's like we don't have to do that anymore. We are forgiven. Amen? We are children. He's given us that spirit, his Holy Spirit that he's put in us. It says in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Can we stand up and can we, can we cry out to God for that? If you... If you are um, a person and you, you have a relationship with God, but you don't have that intimacy with him, you don't have that feeling of like, I feel so safe in his arms. Like I feel covered and protected and provided for. It's like, can we pray for a breakthrough today? Pray that you would receive that adoption and know that you are loved by God and you are known by God. Amen. Well, Father, we come before you, Lord, and we, we thank you that you have adopted us. Lord, we don't understand it. We don't understand your grace. We have to receive that by faith. Lord, we have to believe that we are loved. We have to believe that we are adopted, that we are chosen by you, the king of the universe, that we can call you Father. We can call you Abba. We can call you daddy and we can have an intimacy with you, Lord. And we thank you so much that you have, you have chosen us, Lord, that you, you loved us and we respond to that, Lord. And we thank you that you know us. 
Lord, you know everything about us. You perceive us, Lord. And we thank you that before we even speak a word, you know it. Before we even think a thought, you know it. And yet, you continue to accept us and love us and forgive us, Lord. And we thank you that you have shown us how to sacrifice, how to be committed in our relationships, how to lay down our lives for the sake of others. And we're so grateful for your example, Jesus, that you died on the cross for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God. And we bless you, Lord, and we thank you. And Father, I do want to pray, Lord, I know um, that this week um, a lot of things are coming up, and I, I do pray, Jesus, that we would be a light in the darkness, Lord, that we would expose the, the fruitless deeds of darkness, Lord. We would expose them, Lord, not in a judgmental way, but God, we would shine so brightly that it would dispel the darkness. And God, I pray that, that each one of us would glorify you, Lord, this week. And um, Lord, we would just honor your name. And I just thank you for these people that are here that I love so much. If you're somebody and you have never received Christ, you have never um, prayed to be born again, I would love to pray with you this morning. Or um, the person that brought you, maybe you can pray with them. But I'm just telling you guys that in the presence of God, being in his presence and, and knowing that you're loved and knowing that you're known is where you're going to find life and you're going to find hope. So go in the peace of the Lord. I bless you and I pray that the Lord would keep you and protect you and that his face would shine on you. He would be gracious to you. He would look upon you with favor and he would give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.